Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week is a very special interview. It's with Utah-based wildlife artist, Joel Pilcher. His charcoal drawings are incredibly realistic. He's so good at what he does. But the thing I loved most about this interview was hearing how much of a marketing guy Joel really is. I'm going to spoil this interview for you just a little bit to give you the details and Joel's back-end systems because that's what I was really curious about when questioning him. About 90% of Joel's income comes from print sales through Printify. He markets advertises, and asks his customers to buy his products. Crazy, right? (laughs) Pair those business efforts with an outstanding art product that he has. It's no wonder he's killing it with these art sales. Joel's doing what he loves and making great money to support his wife and five children. (laughs) Also, a little tip that he shared with me after we stopped recording that I had to share with you, he runs print sales, so 25% off prints, to launch every single new painting he puts out. And he's done it so consistently that his customers look forward to it. They'll message him as he's posting videos saying what he's creating. They're like, oh my gosh, I love this bare charcoal drawing that you're creating. When is the print sale going to happen? Because they're going to buy it. Like That stuff is happening because of consistency. And there's so much to gain from listening to this chat. So let's just get to it. Let me know what you think about this week's episode with Joel Pilcher. Hello, everybody. We have Joel here, and I am so excited because I was just telling him how much of a huge fan of your art and your realism and just everything. And I'm, I'm curious about how you create the beautiful artworks that you create and your process of it. But I want to know also, how did you get to where you are? What's the backstory? First off, I want to thank you for inviting me on your podcast. I'm actually really excited about it. It's been about seven, six or seven years that I've been doing fine art. And in that time, I've done a dozen or more podcasts. But this is the first one that is focused on artwork. All the others have been outdoor related or fitness or hunting. I do a lot of work in the hunting industry. So a lot of them were hunting podcasts or even Christian faith-based podcasts. But this is the first one that's been just focused on art. So I'm excited for it. Excited to talk to you about my work. I've actually been a professional, a full-time artist since about 2004. So it's been quite a while. But I started out prior to becoming an artist, because I guess I'm old, that, that dates me. <laughs> Saying that I've been working full-time since 2004. But prior to that, I was actually working construction. And one day I just decided that it's not what I want to do the rest of my life. So my first position as a full-time artist was working for a company called Del Sol. And I was working as a graphic designer. Del Sol does t-shirt art. So I did a lot of illustration, hand illustration that I would transfer to the computer and create using Photoshop and Illustrator and create designs to be applied to apparel. And that's where I got my start as an artist. I worked there for a couple of years, not making enough to live on. At the same time, I was married and we had our first child. And it just wasn't cutting it because our bills started growing much faster than my income was. And so after a couple of years, I decided to try to go on my own as a contract freelancer doing digital design, graphic design. And I was able to pick up quite a few uh, clients. It wasn't easy. It was tough starting out, but I worked hard. I hit the pavement. I knocked doors, basically. What do you mean by that? I went and did 
strictly speaking, this is not not allowed. Some of the shows that I, I went to some outdoor retailer shows, and I went. It's called suitcasing. I went around to the different vendors that were selling product at these shows, and I just approached whoever was there, the owner, or whoever I could find, and just said, "Hey, I do graphic design. I think I could help out your brand, your company. Here's my information." I showed them some of my work, and then through that, I was able to pick up quite a few customers, quite a few clients, and then from there, it was just word of mouth. Really grew my freelance business quite a bit. And I did that for, I think it was just eight years doing freelance work and made a decent living doing that. But I did get to the point after about eight years where I felt like I'd done as much as I could to grow my business in the way that I was running it, where I was just working from home, just doing client work off of my home computer and communicating through emails and stuff like that. And I was working mostly on an hourly rate and I just hit a ceiling. I couldn't make any more money. If I raise my hourly rate any further, then it outpriced my work for the, the industry that I was in. So I started brainstorming, trying to come up with new ways to make more money. And at the time, I had one of my clients. It was actually uh, Easton Archery was the name of the company that I was doing some freelance work for. They do arrows for the archery industry for both Olympic target archery and on the bow hunting side. And they invited me to come in-house and work on some still contract position, but they wanted me to work in their office creating they had three or four different catalog projects, just huge catalog projects that they wanted my help with. So I went, started driving into their office, and through that, I met a couple guys after we were done with those projects. Rather than going back home and working on my own, I decided to, we as there was three of us, we decided to partner up and create a design and marketing firm. And that allowed us to expand even further. We hired some designers to help us out and grew our client list. And it wasn't as easy and enjoyable as I thought it would be, but it was a good experience. I learned a lot through the experience. And if you have any questions as I'm relating this story, let me know. But after starting that marketing and design firm, we ended up contacting another guy that had a supplement company. He was doing marketing nutritional supplements to the fitness industry. And we started doing some work for him. And then we had an idea because with our marketing design firm, like I mentioned, I did a lot of work in the hunting industry. Most of our clients were hunting companies, company who was marketing just to the fitness industry. We had this idea of bringing the two together, our knowledge and expertise of marketing to the hunting industry, his knowledge of supplements. And we took his line of supplements and rebranded them for the hunting industry and created a business around that. And this 2015, 2016, right around in there where social media marketing really started to grow and become more valuable and more usable as a marketing tool. And we hit it hard with the supplement company marketing to the hunting industry. We used every tactic we could come up with to market this company direct to consumer through social media. And it exploded. It, it took off really fast. And it was a wild ride for a few years. And we had a lot of success with it. But without going into a lot of details, with what often happens with partnerships, there was a little bit of turmoil. And it got to the point where it made sense for me to step away from the company and go back to my graphic design work, which I did. But having picked up so many ideas and skills for social media marketing, when I went back to graphic design for a little bit, but my dream had always been, since I was a little kid, I'd always wanted to be a wildlife artist. And I thought, 
with the knowledge that I had now of marketing, I thought maybe I can take my skills with drawing and create some fine art, some originals and market that through social media. And it worked really well. I started selling stuff quick and then I explored options for reproductions for prints and those started selling even quicker and it just took off from there. And I've been doing that, like I said, for six or seven years now as a full-time charcoal artist, mostly charcoal. I do some paint as well, but that kind of takes you from the beginning all the way to where I'm at now. Wow. I usually don't get a background of such a business variety like that. You're a businessman and the turned artist. That's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, one of the things I have through my social media page, I have constantly have aspiring artists come to me and ask for advice and information on what they can do to do what I've done to be able to make their art, their full-time business and be able to provide. That's one thing I always tell them is that you've got to, what I did, because I came from a business background, graphic design, marketing, and almost all the businesses that I worked with, whether they were client, my clients or my own businesses, almost all of them were product-based businesses. So when I went to do my fine art, I looked at my artwork as a product-based business. And I think that that's a little bit of a unique perspective for artists when they're creating their art. That's what they're doing is creating their art. When I create my art, I look at it as product development. So I'm developing a new product that I'm going to market and sell to my customer base. And I think just having that, just a little bit different perspective on it helps a lot. And considering yourself as an artist and entrepreneur more so than even than an artist and really diving into the business and marketing side because it's critical. I agree. I feel the same. I I feel like I'm an entrepreneur turned artist and looking at it as, okay, this is a product to showcase. You have really good photos. You have a very good product. Your charcoal drawings are very realistic and yeah, which I think is a step one, right? Have a great product. Yeah. I don't mean to diminish that side of being an artist and and developing your skill. And, but that's part of having a successful product-based business is having a high quality product that people want to purchase. Yeah. Even your photos, you can tell that you have a really good eye for taking photos and that it showcases your art. So is social media. So I I found you through Instagram and a lot of artists here too. I told them I was going to interview you. They're like, I'm following them on Instagram. So I know you have a lot of a large artist space. So do you have, is that where your customer base is as well as an Instagram? It is. Yeah. And that's one, I think, mistake that I see a lot of art, like I have artists come, you know, message me and want to follow for follow and, you know, that whole thing where they're trying to build their audience and like you're targeting the wrong person yeah. because it's hard for me to buy artwork from another artist because I'm an artist and I can create it myself. And I see a lot of artists doing that, trying to market through art pages. And it's like you're marketing to other artists that can create their own artwork. Not to say that I would never, and I have purchased art from other artists. I shouldn't be their main focus or target for a customer. And that's what I did with my business because of my uh, background and understanding in the hunting industry. I know hunters and those that love the outdoors, they're also just, they're passionate about wildlife. So for the first, I don't market to artists at all. I market to those other people, the hunters, those that, that love wildlife art. And that's my focus. So when in my efforts to grow my page and my audience, I've never gone to an art page. I've always gone to another business that has a similar demographic to their audience that I know would like my work. And then I do, I try to put together some sort of a collaboration with them 
so that I can get my work in front of their audience. Yeah. My husband is an avid hunter. And so I also hunt as well. We go elk hunting every year and the whole bit. He's actually crane hunting right now in Oklahoma. So he saw your stuff and he was like, I want to be friends with this dude. And he's always (laughs) trying to get me to paint exactly what you're creating. And I'm like, I like it. I don't know. I really want to paint pink glitter stuff. And he's he's like, I I, I need this dude. (laughs) So yeah, you, you go where your clientele is so how do you do that do where do they where do hunters hang out well and and fortunately for me because i think that's really important kind of the point that you just brushed on is you've got to create what you love as well you got to have a passion for it which fortunately for me i always have since i was a kid i loved drawing deer and elk and uh, just i love being in the outdoors in the mountains and and be able to come home and recreate the things that i saw or even the bigger animals that i never see just to be able to do that's part of my passion as well i've been fortunate that what I love to draw is also the market that I fell into through my other work. But, but yeah, I, I think it it's important. There's a balance that you got to find between creating the artwork that you love and are passionate about and finding a market for it. And sometimes there just isn't a big enough market there for what you really love to do. But I think there is there is a possibility of just through time and exploration, taking, changing, adjusting your style of artwork, your subject matter. And as you look out there for a large market that would be interested in what you're creating, just find that balance and make those adjustments and keep looking. As far as finding that audience, social media makes it a lot easier than it used to be. I tried doing fine art back in, let's see, it was probably 2010 or so, 2008. I can't remember for sure. It was before social media was really even in existence. It was definitely wasn't being used for marketing businesses and I had to go out, I was going to local art shows and art fairs and setting up a booth and trying to find a market that way. And it was a nightmare. My poor wife, she was there with me every step of the way. And she, uh, she has some fond and not so fond memories of those days, but she's very grateful for social media and the ability it's given me to market my work from my home. But yeah, I, I just, again, for me, it was simple because I was already in the hunting industry with my graphic design work. So I was able to quickly take some of those connections that I already had and utilize them to for collaborations and stuff like that to grow my audience. And it, it was a simple match to make with my artwork to their audiences. It's a, it could be a little bit more difficult with other subject matter. I don't know, but social media, you can... It's just a matter of getting creative, not only with... And I've always said this to you, as an artist, to be a successful artist, you have to be creative with more than your artwork. You have to get creative on the marketing side as well. Or come up with new ideas, new campaigns, and what you're talking about in the very beginning. You just have to get creative in ways to find the best audience for your work. And it can be as simple as doing hashtag searches, just looking at companies that may have audiences that even though they're not. Just a good example is the hunting industry for me. In the beginning, I did some collaborations with Easton Archery, the ones that I'd done some client work with. They sell arrows. I've done work with Hoyt, which is another archery company that sells bows. Mountain Ops. Mountain Ops is the the company that I helped start. I still work with them and do some stuff occasionally, collaborations and and that, but their audience is perfect for my artwork because, again, it's just that. But they they don't sell artwork. They sell supplements. And so just having an open mind like that, Sportsman's Warehouse, I've done a little bit of work with them. There's quite a few companies. Another thing I used to do that worked really well 
you get the social media influencers that are out there. There's some really big names in the hunting industry that have hundreds of thousands and even millions of followers. And in the beginning, I would, I had a relationship. They knew who I was from my previous work, but I would do just quick sketches, time lapses of them. I'd do a portrait of Cam Haynes or Jana Waller or the guys at Elk 101 and all these different celebrities, social media influencers. And those people are constantly looking for quality content to share on their page. And for me to do a, a portrait sketch of them, it was very enticing to them to see that and then take it and share it on their page because it was good content and they'd get a lot of engagement on it. And that would get my work exposure to their audience. And then I'd end up getting a lot of followers from that too. Awesome. So do you do mostly commissioned work or do you paint whatever you want to paint? I don't do hardly any commissioned oh, work. You have I try to limit. <laughs> and I learned that the hard way. I, honestly, that's one of the reasons I push hard to get into fine art, doing the drawings and paintings versus my digital work. I, I love doing digital design work and especially digital illustration, but I hate client work. So that's why I pushed really hard to get in, get my fine art going, because I want to be able to create whatever I wanted and put it on my website. And when customers come, if they like it, they buy it. If they don't, that's fine. It's just so much more enjoyable. Right? And I had some really good clients, but I had some nightmare clients as well. Some that would force me to revise the design over and over again to the point where, one, I don't. there's no way I would even put it in my portfolio. But two, I was disenchanted with the job because I knew it wasn't going to perform well for them and that they were going to be disappointed in the way it performed. And then that would reflect on me as an artist, even though at the end of the project, it wasn't even really my artwork. So just sat round and round with the client. I'm not sure you understand yeah. a lot of artists that work with clients feel the same way. But so on the fine art side, I do occasionally take commissions depending on what it is. Usually if it's a real general subject, like I had a lady come and say, I just want a close-up of a grizzly bear. Something like that, great, no problem. In the beginning, I did take on some more um, customized work, but it, it started to go down that same route that my digital client work did. And I tried to move away from it as much as possible, and it is wonderful <laughs> to not, not have to deal with that. What do you sell your paintings for, or your, your charcoal drawings for mostly, and what is the most you've ever sold one for? We love to talk money. So, yeah, no, I get it. I love to hear artists talk money, even though it, it can sometimes be a difficult thing to talk about. But I try to be as tra transparent as possible without giving away too much. My originals... I sell them anywhere from $1,000 up to eight. The most I've gotten for one is 8000 But to be honest, my originals are only about, I would say about 10% of my revenue. Oh. I make my bread and butter, my prints, my reproduction prints. Okay. And my, Tell me more. And other product. Yeah. So I have tried to, one of my goals has been to make my art affordable enough for more people to enjoy and it's been awesome because I've heard a lot of feedback from customers that are grateful for that. So my print prices, they range from anywhere around 30 to $40 up to three to 400 for a framed canvas. And it, it just, it's made it more available to more people. And with the reach that I can get on social media, it's really bumped my numbers up and I get quite a few orders and it, it generates a lot of revenue for us. So it's been really good. And I don't have to work as much. You know? yeah. That's my goal. I, I was talking to a friend the other day about this, and he's a very successful business person. And we were looking to go to lunch to just to chat. And he says, 
you just let me know when because I'm one of the least busy people. Like you say that it's a, a brag. That's just the truth. And I'm like, I appreciate that because to me, it is a brag. I, I see some people that they wear their business like a badge of honor. Like, I'm so busy. I got so much going. That's not the life that I want. My goal is to make more money with less work. Yeah. <laughs> and Reproduction Prince has allowed me to do that because there are, I have um, a couple paintings that I did. And this is over years of selling Reproduction Prints. But I have a couple that have earned me well over $150,000 in reproduction prints just from that single painting. My top seller I painted in 2017, I sold it for three or $4,000. I can't even remember. But since then, I've generated $150,000 plus in revenue with that one painting. So it just keeps that residual is just amazing. It's so much. It makes me feel so good. I love that. Can I ask about your back end of your printing? So I, yeah. I've i been looking around for drop shipping services and I found one I like, mm-hmm. but then I have to, it's just the back end isn't exactly where I want it. So say I go to your website and I make a print order. What happens? What do you do? Where does it come from? Do you package them? Does somebody else mm-hmm. drop ship and where do you sign it? I want to know all the details. So yeah, this is a good question. I've always been... I listened to the marketing podcast years and years ago. I can't remember what it was, but they, it was these two marketing guys and they, just, they were just sharing all of their information, everything they'd learned for over years and years of marketing. And one day the guy said, we've been asked, why do we share this information? Why this, is, this could be proprietary. We could keep it to ourselves and give ourselves a great advantage over everybody else. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, I believe life gives to givers and takes from takers. Mm-hmm. And I just ring true for me. And I've tried to live by that philosophy. And honestly, it has been, it's been a blessing to me to share information and, and I enjoy it. So I try to, if anybody asks me a question, I answer it as honestly and clearly as possible. For my print reproduction for years, in the beginning, all I did was take a photo of my originals, create the digital file, which it's helped a lot having that background of digital design work knowing Photoshop and Illustrator for both the print production and marketing side of it. So I highly recommend artists learn that. But once I had the digital file, I'd send it to a local print shop here in, in Salt Lake. I live just about 30 minutes west of Salt Lake. And they would produce the prints on a digital printer. So minimums were real low. I would only order... And they let me gang them together so that I could order four or five different prints or pieces of artwork on one order. And then my minimum was like 25 prints. So it made it very affordable. I didn't have to have a ton of inventory, but inventory still became an issue. But that's how we did it for a lot of years. So I guess it was about two years ago. I had a problem I was facing with my customers. A good problem. They were coming to me and saying, I got just message after message having customers say, I'm out of wall space, but I want to buy more of your art, which made me so grateful. But so that was the problem I was facing. What can I do? I, I would like to add my art to other products so they can still have my artwork to enjoy, but they don't have to find wall space for it. But I didn't want to deal with more inventory. I didn't want to have to rent a warehouse. I didn't want to have to deal with the fulfillment. So I started looking at print-on-demand companies. And I tried out a couple, one of them being Printify. I guess this was probably more than two years ago. This was probably three or four years ago. And I ordered a bunch of samples and it was all garbage, just really cheap. It was like stuff I didn't want to offer on my website. And so I put that idea aside. And then it was a year or two later, I went back to them because I still wanted to do it. I still haven't getting that kind of feedback from my customers. 
So when I went back to them, I ordered a bunch more samples. And this time when they came in, there was some really high quality stuff. So I was like, yes, I think this is going to work now. And it was perfect. My website is built on Shopify and Printify integrates directly into it. So when you place an order, it depends on what it is. I, I still have some of the unframed hand-signed prints here at my house that we ship out of my home, but I'm closing those out because the Printify model is working so well. And it's my wife is so grateful because she doesn't have to ship anymore. <laughs> she was my fulfillment manager and my bookkeeper and my, she, she was taking care of too much along with raising, we have five kids. So she was very busy. Wow. So this has been a, an answer to her prayers as well. So we're closing out the hand signed prints and we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to go 100% through Printify because we had, we had a great experience with their supports. Awesome. Gets a little bit tough this time of year when order volumes go way up, but they're a little bit slower to respond. The rest of the year, they're right on it. Like within 12 hours, I hear back from them and they always have a a great solution for any problem that comes up. And so they've been really good to work with. Not a paid endorsement. It's been great. Everybody's typing Printify into their phone right now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So I guess my next question is, it's one thing to have that whole backend set up, but it's another to get the orders. And so do you advertise your prints on social media? And if so, what do you say? Do you ever run a special or a discount or how do you get those orders? All the time. Yes. Like I said, I treat my art as a product-based business. Love it. So I'm just like all the other online retailers out there that do sales, do specials. I look forward to holidays because I know my revenue is going to spike at that time. We just finished up. I just ended my Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend and we killed it. It's just, what was it's your incredible. special that you ran during the Black Friday? So with the closeouts on my hand side prints, I'm trying to get through the inventory. So I did up to 60% off on those. And I've got good margins, so I'm, I'm still making a little bit of money on those. But the main thing is some of those prints I've had for a couple of years, so it's nice to recoup that cost on the inventory, not be floating that in any longer. Yeah. Most of my sales, I do 20% off, 20 to 30% off, and it works well. People appreciate the deal and they buy them up. And, but at my sales, I still have consistent sales between holidays as well. Awesome. Do you advertise between holidays? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do a lot of advertising. Yes. Okay. There was a time when I was spending a ridiculous amount of money on Facebook advertising. Like it was worth every penny and we were making good return on it, but it made me sick <laughs> knowing how much money I was spending on advertising. Those days I think are gone because of some different things that have happened with social media and with uh, iOS privacy settings and things like that. It's much more difficult to target a specific audience through Facebook marketing. So I've cut my ad spend back drastically, which is okay because now I sleep better at night because I'm not spending as much. And we're still generating the revenue that we need. And it's so it's social media is it's a constant moving target. It's hard. It's something you have to stay up on and it's always changing. And there are some things you can do consistently that seem to be working. But yeah, other than that, it's like from month to month, things can change. You have an email list? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yep. And that's something I need to do better at. I go through spurts where I focus on building it and then I forget about it and then I come back to it. But I've got about 13,000 emails and it's good. It, it works well. Wow. That's amazing. How do you get people on your email list? I have the capture on my website. Okay. So that's just a slow, constant growth there as people, new people come, they'll sign up. But 
I've done giveaways, which work well. Before I launch a product, like with this one, I, I did one this piece behind me, the Buffalo. I gave away two or three, maybe it was one. I can't remember. Every time I do it a little different, but a canvas, a framed canvas. And all they had to do to enter the giveaway was go to my website and sign up, sign up for the newsletter. And then they were entered. Then I just went through and I figured a, a random way to pick an email address and contacted them. And they got a free canvas print. But I think that one generated, did it for about a week and it generated over a thousand emails. So it was, it was, I was happy with that. It was a, Effect. I felt like that was a, an effective campaign. Other times I've done collaborations. I can get a lot more emails through collaborations. Let's see, it was earlier this year, back in the spring, I think, I did a collaboration with Mountain Ops. And they have a large following. They have a really good customer base. And it's perfect for my subject matter, perfect, like I've talked about. But yeah, I got a lot more emails out of that one. But they're not as, it's not as quality because some of those people are joining the email list because of mountain ops and not because of joel pilcher where the giveaways that i do on my own page those people are coming to they're they're signing up for my list because they like my artwork specifically so those lists perform a lot better once i start sending to them than the collaboration ones how do you do a collaboration how does that work exactly you give away a print to their followers yeah yeah uh, well, this one was an original. I gave it away an original. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... And maybe that's why it, it garnered a lot more email addresses than, than my print one. But, but, yeah, it was worth it. Awesome. It turned out well. So I would do it again. In fact, we, we may be doing it again. Mountain Ops has reached out and said they'd like to do some more. So it's fun. Very cool. It's a lot of fun. You're given all the inside tricks, and I love it. People are just taking <laughs> so many notes, especially right now around the holidays. Man, okay. So I have one more question. What advice do you have for artists who they're just starting out and they see what you're doing and they're like, oh, I want to do exactly what this guy is doing. I, I don't want to do commission mural work. I want to create in, inside my studio and sell for all the things. What's your advice on somebody who's just at the beginning and wanting to get started? You got another two hours? Because <laughs> it could. Like, I, no, I'm actually really grateful that I found your podcast because there are not very many podcasts like yours. There's one other one that, because I get that question all the time, like messaging through Instagram. I'm like, I don't have time to write a novel, <laughs> aspiring artists. And I noticed you, you focus on mural painting. I see a lot of, since I've found your podcast, I've, I've been going through and listening to some and I see a lot of oh, wow. mural painting. This other podcast, they focus on children's book illustrations. Mm. And for me as a wildlife artist, I'm like, what does that have to do with what I'm doing? And I've been listening to this other podcast for a long time. And the, the host of the podcast, it is incredible how similar their experience has been to mine, even though I don't do children's book illustration. Just the different lessons that that they've learned, I've learned through very similar mistakes that have been made. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Any recommendations would be great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So study up for aspiring artists, study up through listening to podcasts that give practical information like this. Another thing that I would recommend that I actually just read this book and I highly recommend it for any artist that's wanting to make a living with their artwork. It's called The Psychology of Money. Has nothing to do with artwork, but everything to do with money. Morgan Housel, I think, is the author. But there's just so many insights into money management, and not just that, but like it's called, titled "The Psychology of Money." Just the, the perspective to have on earning money 
and it's so applicable to entrepreneurs. And like I said, if you're going to make money, consider yourself an entrepreneur because that's what you are. You're a small business owner. And there's a lot of valuable information in that book. Some things were right in the line with what I've always thought. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to be successful with my work. Other things were very, in that book, were very enlightening. And I was like, no, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Okay. So, so those couple of things. I, um, I have a lot of Audible credits, so I'm going to be using that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. The other thing for artists starting out is consistency. It's critical. Just keep creating. You can't use social media as a marketing tool without having new content. Just That's why people... Follow. It's tough to go to a page that only posts once a month or less frequently. Like It's not very enticing. It, I, I don't know if I care to follow. I already follow a whole bunch of pages. I'm gonna follow, why am I going to follow somebody that never posts? So being consistent, and really that's with the way algorithms are now, that's more, I think that's more critical than ever because you don't get as much reach with each post. So more posts gets your work in front of more people. And what I do to facilitate that consistency is I show my process. Jake Parker is an awesome artist. I got to give him credit for this quote because it's spot on. He says, making is marketing. And that's so true. And I use that all the time with my work. I can show a short 10 minute clip of me working and that's my post for the day. Or I can do a couple of them in one day. And people enjoy it. It's good quality content. And sometimes it performs really well. Sometimes it doesn't. But I don't care. As long as it's getting in front of some people, that's what I've noticed. Getting traffic to my website, if I'm posting, I'm getting traffic if I'm not. Yeah. Do you find that photos or reels or video does the best? Reels typically do best, but they're not what they used to be. Actually, I like to mix it up. I don't know if it's so much because it still photos work well on Instagram as much as it is, it's more efficient for me because reels don't auto post to Facebook. Uh-huh. Still photos do. So I'll throw in still photos on Instagram just so it posts to both and I could get some fresh content on my face. My Facebook page, I don't have as many followers, but the following that I do have on Facebook, they're loyal and I get sales from Facebook. So, so it's worth, worth doing that. But I think mixing it up is great. So true. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything and I'll be continuing to follow you. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. <laughs> I, Yeah, this episode, I'm going to air it during the holidays. I had a couple that were supposed to go before this and I'm like, we just need to speed this one up because everybody's making print <laughs> sales right now. And I think this would be really valuable to them. So I appreciate you sharing your whole back end. And actually, I use a different dropshipping service. I'm going to check out Printify now that you said that. So yeah, we appreciate it. It's been good. They've been, it's been a good experience with them. So I don't really have any complaints working with them. Awesome. Okay. I think you have a great rest of your day and we'll continue to follow and watch your art journey keep growing. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. If you like this kind of business talk with tips to help you attract customers, actually get sales, and all the back-end business quote secrets, I want to encourage you to join our Artist Academy Advanced membership. I have a ton of art and business content for you to learn everything you need to start and grow your art business. I've never done this before. But for the holiday season, I'm offering a completely free trial for the entire month of December. 
So join and not pay one single anything until January 1st. I'm offering this because I know how hectic the holiday season is for everyone. We all have enough on our plate as it is, but I also know that I have a ton of fourth quarter sales strategies within the membership that will help you make even more sales during the Christmas season. So join the membership for free this month, then kick off the starting of the year with a bang with our art challenges and all new painting tutorials and all the things that are coming in January. And if you want to cancel before January 1 and only absorb the December free content, you totally can. <laughs> there are absolutely no minimums to join or leave at any time. Stay or leave when you're ready. I'm also offering a completely free month because I'm confident in my product. I know that when people join, they stay for six months to a year and grow their art business with us in the community for that amount of time. And it's so fun to see people start off, especially in January with that fire and they watch the tutorials and they put things in action and they have this community backing them to talk pricing and strategy and all the things. And it really helps. And I've seen it because it'll be five years this spring that I've had the membership going and five years of watching artists grow. I was thinking this year, I'm like, heck, I'll just give a whole free month because why not? You can go to artistacademy.co. There's a link here. It's not .com because to buy the .com was just insanely expensive. Somebody bought it up a long time ago and they're wanting thousands and thousands of dollars for it. So I was like, whatever, I'm just gonna do artistacademy.co. So if you go to artistacademy.co or just click the link in this podcast description, you can join us for a whole free month of December. I'll see you inside of the Academy and next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.